0: argue with the fact that these were singles that got played on the radio big hits we're not here to debate that we're just here to talk about two generations of metallica fans and and how it rolls together i want your perspective of what it was like to be this metallica fan and then it was midnight and you're getting the black album and then (laughs) what you got and what your reaction was to it
1: Vinyl Analysis, the podcast for 70s and 80s hard rock discussion. I'm your host, Arch Madness, along with me, my producer, my right hand man. Yep. It, it might be a better way to say that, but let's just, we're going to riff on you're, this.
2: You're it to your Hetfield. Oh, you see what I did there?
1: wow. Uh, you're yeah, so do what I say.
2: All right. You're not allowed to have a side project.
1: Uh, producer Greg Hansberry. What's up, brother? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm happy 2019, man. So this, this is, is exciting. This is the first show of the new season. And and before we introduce our today's guests and and get into all the good stuff, Craft and Vinyl. We're going to have yes. a
2: show at Craft and Vinyl. Yep, so uh we're gathering the Knights of the Rock Table again. Mm. Uh and uh, we're going to be uh, hanging out with our buddy all Troy right. Stacy over at Craft and Vinyl Love on 5th uh, Street down in Grandview. And um, we are going to uh, just do a live podcast and kind of discussion. It's a lot of fun because he's got a beer counter. He's got it's a record store, and he built a new stage. So we're going to be on a stage. It's going to be awesome. Nike, some new seating. Stage. Yeah, about that. Uh, I'm excited, and the yeah. date on that is so yeah. That's uh, January 22nd at 7 p.m. at 7:30 at 8 p.m. Come all. It's free. Uh, just come check out, check it out. Say hey, join the conversation. Such it's a cool be, yeah. venue,
1: and it's such a neat place. And it's there's nothing in town like that. Mm-mm. I, you know what? And quite honestly, I would love to know anywhere in America where there is something like that where you can go check out vinyl. You know, check have out some live acts or yeah. anything like that and, and have some Bruce.
2: And it even has a, a little recording suite in there, too. No so kidding, if you're man. wanting to record your own stuff, yeah, it, it's a cool place to check out. So come visit it uh, and us on the 22nd. Can't Looking wait. Forward to it. Nights of the Rock table. Always a good time. <laughs> All
1: right. Our guest today, QFM 96, is Mike Dorsey. What's up, Doris? Dorsey. What's up, guys? Now, now, Doris, here's the thing, because this is a 70s and 80s hard rock discussion. The last time we had Dorsey on, see if we're gonna do anything from the '90s. See,
0: I must be like your '90s. You are specialist. a '90s guy. You are the '90s guy <laughs> at the station. Yes. You know?
1: Let's let's be honest. So, uh, and we'll get into what we're gonna be talking about later. But we had you for uh, uh, Pearl Jam last yes, time, 10. Yep. so that was a lot of fun. Uh, the album that we're gonna be discussing today, uh, also released in the '90s. But uh, Doris,
0: thanks for coming back, man. No, thanks, guys, for having me. Um, you know, whenever you talk about having people on this podcast, I'm one of the people, I put a lot of thought into this. Like, I, oh, I... When we talk about what record we're going to do, and, and it just kind of dawned on me one night that this is probably the record we should do. And it's so funny because, Archie, you actually text me because you heard one of the songs off this record. And you're like, oh, this record's awesome. Yeah. And then I was just thinking, I was like, that's crazy because I thought we should do this for vinyl analysis.
1: Perfect. And before Meant we to be. get... Before we get to... Metallica's Black Album. <gasps> Have I said too much? Awesome. We should do, Producer Greg, What's on Your Table? What's on Your Table? Who wants to go first? You know what? And, and Greg, I think you've gone first. I've gone
0: first. Let's let our Let's guests let go him, first. Sure. Doris, what do you got for I'm, us, I'm man? I'm jealous
2: of his uh, pick already, I heard man. you kind of goo goo and a gaga. Uh, that. Sure.
0: First, uh, shout-out to Kyle over at Lost Weekend mm-hmm. Records. What up? Archie were with me when we that's stopped in there. And uh, this was sitting up on the <laughs> shelf. And I kind of was on the fence about it. Not mess. because it's a bad record or anything, but just because I probably already own everything that's on this. But it is a <laughs> uh, compilation uh, Chris Cornell compilation, uh, two LP set that kind of is career-spanning, some stuff from Soundgarden, uh, some solo stuff, and some Audio Slave stuff, and then um, some later solo stuff that he did, some covers and, and things.
1: And now, I wasn't joking. I mean, you are the 90s uh, expert here. I mean, you're a big grunge era, the whole Seattle scene. Pearl Jam's your favorite band. You've seen them like 75 times.
0: Where does Soundgarden rank for you well, it's funny. I, I always told everybody Soundgarden to me is like the Black Sabbath of the grunge scene. They <laughs> yeah, were God. they were the heavier, kind of a little bit darker Ooh, yeah, rock yeah. I got you. of the grunge scene. And everybody kind of has their own niche. And it's like, you know, people really look at Alice in Chains as kind of being the more metal band from that scene. And I think that you look at Soundgarden as the more hard rock, darker black sabbath type band and it even makes sense when you look at such a, a dynamic frontman as Ozzy a dynamic frontman
1: as Chris Cornell. Bad Motorfinger was when I got turned on to them and, and you never really knew and quite honestly with Alice in Chains as well. Nirvana and Pearl Jam we were it was so easy and everybody wants to to categorize you know anything. You were able to kind of do that with Pearl Jam, you were able to do that with Nirvana. But I always thought that you always had a hard time trying to figure out, I, I, Alice Chains more so, because hell, they went on the Clash of the Titans tour with a bunch of metal bands. Soundgarden, when they started off, it was like, what is this? Where is this This going? I mean, they were one of the pioneers of that whole scene, man, and his whole relationship with the, with the dudes from Mother Love Bone and... And and the history of Chris Cornell. Well, and he's
0: what he so brought. he's so ingrained to that Seattle community. Like you said, his relationship with Andrew Wood from Mother Love Bone, uh, Temple of the Dog, that record that came about, and his relationship with the guys in Pearl Jam. Uh, it's really cool to see the statue that they just put up and put yeah, up of him. Yeah, and, oh, yeah, and, right. and of all the different guys, um, that, you know, there's a lot of guys in that scene from Seattle. But you know, uh, Chris was kind of the hometown guy, and for me. The thing about Chris Cornell is I, I'm just so nostalgic about everything to do with him right now. And I, it's still so hard to believe that he's gone.
1: Dorsey, uh, you know what? And and I'm I'm the Sunset Strip guy, and, and honestly, God, we've lost a lot of guys. Nothing compares to that scene, man. Yeah. Jesus Greg, there I mean, all these cats, dude. Eddie, you know, we you know, you joke half-heartedly that Eddie's all that's left and, right. and everything. But he is but Pearl Jam yeah, is, yeah, man. It. Yeah.
0: And it's not only like I'm trying to choose my words carefully here because I don't want to disrespect anyone I know other bands lose guys but it seems like these guys these Seattle bands lose people who are just straight up irreplaceable the heart and soul of yes of the, of like the group, you' know I'm saying yeah. guys like Lane Staley mm-hmm. Kurt Cobain you know Chris Cornell like you just can't have Nirvana. Alice in Chains, and I don't care what people say with William Duvall, I'm sorry. No, man, and you I'm can't, with you. You can't, have, you can't have Nirvana, you can't have Alice in Chains, and you just can't have Soundgarden without Chris Cornell.
1: As far as, and I love Pearl Jam, uh, I love Soundgarden, man, I was a huge Alice in Chains. If I was going to pick one from that era, it was Alice. Because, I mean, just with with Lane and his, his vocal songs... They were
2: different, man. They were they were different. They're than are more I mean, to your vibe, as Dorsey's point. A little that. more metal. Uh, yeah, they vibe. Yeah, yeah, they were. Yeah, they were.
1: Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why we accepted them a little more. I'm saying we talking about the the whole metal scene because I mean the Clash of Titans. I mean that was crazy. And I, you know, there's a story where I think it's I don't know if it's uh, Ellison and and Scott Ian, but they're backstage. They're watching Alice in Chains, and they're saying to themselves, "Well." <laughs> This is it. This is this is the changing of the guard. This is what's going to cuz a lot of times it didn't fit. People were trying to figure out, we kind of talked to, about at yeah, the very beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's this all going to fit
2: in? And uh it's Alice and Chains. There was talent there for sure, but where oh. where was this going? And right? it's
0: inter- interesting that we've come down this path because once again, the relationship that those guys in Chains had with the guys in Metallica.
1: Yeah, oh yeah. Oh no. Oh. And and really Pantera back and and their home videos. I mean, like I've said, and I've said this on this show before, those Pantera home videos that was jackass before jackass.
2: I mean, that was
1: it was almost as as a big uh, of a, a deal when those were released as the albums from Pantera. And you always saw the guys from Alice and Chains hanging out. But yeah, I mean, I mean Jerry and, and Dime were just they, they and Zach Wilde, That was a that was a tight knit group there. And uh, I think the metal community, like you said, always. Uh, kind of sided there a little bit and kind of took Alice and Chains uh with them. But but Soundgarden, man, uh, again, Soundgarden is one of those ones that they were they were one of the uh the godfathers of the whole scene, man.
2: And, and specifically Chris sound. Cornell's voice is my favorite oh, of all theirs. Yeah. I mean he's up there with the Robert Plants and everybody. Yeah. And I was lucky enough to, to see
0: Soundgarden reunited because obviously, you know, by the time I really got into music and being old enough to go to shows and stuff, they had already broken up. So I did see Audio Slave. Uh, it was Lollapalooza here at Jermaine Amplitheater. So I got to see Audio Slave, which was cool, right. but it wasn't Soundgarden. And then they reunited at Lollapalooza, and I wanted to go so bad, but I was getting ready to get married. Uh, and, and, the, yeah. and and the wife, she's like, well, you know, we really got to save money for the wedding, and that really sucked. But uh, the next chance I got, I didn't even hesitate. <laughs> I, I had the tickets Pulled the trigger, went and seen them over in Pittsburgh. They actually played Rock on the Range here the night before. They were the headliners. And then the next night, they were over at Stage AE in Pittsburgh as the headliners, just all by themselves. That's cool. So yeah. I, I got to see them there. Him twi- and did you see them twice here? In Columbus no, no, first. I didn't see them here. I just saw them because, you know, usually they play a shorter set when they're a headlining sure. band of a festival. Right. But over there, it was just them. No opener. It was just all Soundgarden. It was amazing. Awesome.
1: Love love my 80s metal, but I love listening to Dorsey talk about that that whole 90s scene, man. Yeah. It's, just, it's, it's cool yeah. as hell. Uh, anyway, that was that. So that is what that's what's on, on your table. table. On nice job, <laughs>
2: and uh, we're we're gonna make sure we we're trying to make an effort in this 2019 season to uh, take some pictures of the records we bring in. Yes, so what's on your table? and we'll share that uh on Instagram. What do you got, Greg? I want you to go next. Yeah, well, all right. So mine actually uh it's kind of funny. I went to uh Lost Weekend as well. Kyle's our boy over there at Lost love Weekend. Him, love Kyle. Uh, but I actually went there to pick out a record for my dad for Christmas. I got uh my dad is a uh he's, a he's huge he's, Richie Blackmore. He is fan. a rich so he loves a good guitar player. Now he's gotten you know older in his age and he's into <laughs> uh we all. He's into uh, Mark Knopfler. So, Mark Knopfler one of the greatest... So- have you so, turned your
1: dad on to his solo <clears> stuff? So that's
2: what this is. I bought him uh, the, his latest record. Uh, it's a uh, uh, Down the Road. Wherever is uh, Mark Knopfler's latest in 2018, and uh, so I bought it for him. He's over at Christmas Eve. We're we're just playing euchre, oh, having wow. a couple of cocktails, and we put the put uh, this on, and uh, it's cool. It's very mellow. He's uh, he's still got those guitar chops, but in Mark Knopfler's old age, he's definitely mellowed out. He's his last probably ten records are really chill. Uh, he still does like five and six minutes, like long jams, yeah. but his guitar playing is so clean and and, and 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 crisp. I want to say it's Shangri-La. Have you yeah. also got yeah. that? was
1: the one that I was really, really yep. into. Yeah.
2: So, I mean, he still has the chops. He's not doing as heavy stuff. I mean, uh, Dire Straits was never super heavy. You know, Sultans of Swings is probably some of the heaviest stuff I he's mean, gotten.
1: Un, I mean, really underrated. Yeah. You know, uh, but I, I think, I I really do think that Mark Knopfler, <laughs> when you're talking about the greats. I mean, come yeah. on, man! Because I, I, he was honestly... he was
2: doing something unique, Dire Straits, and even what he's doing now is just kind of it's he's got his own sound. He's a badass. Uh, but I just I'll highlight one track. So yes, if you sir. if you're down for some just cool, chill, uh, great guitar playing, check out uh, Knopfler's new record, Down the Road, wherever. Uh, the song that I really like is Just a Boy Away from Home, and uh, I like it because it's a uh, it's got like a four minute guitar uh, slide solo where this is like um, uh, a George Harrison cut. Like if George Harrison was still right. kicking with a with a Jeff Lynne produced record, this is what <laughs> it would sound well, yeah, like. I can it's, imagine. that. Uh, everyone knows that yeah, sound, yeah. right? Yeah, we're just down clean, with that. Clean, just beautiful. So check it out if you, you we'll want do. a, a little Nofler, mellow. Mark Knopfler is just one of the best.
0: Sure, man. and we and we talked about this when when Dire Straits got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They're kind of like they're they're like the musicians' musician. Mm-hmm. You know, right. say like Mark Knopfler is. He's kind of the guy yeah. that a lot of famous musicians like. That's their guy, technically. That like. Well, yeah. and, and
1: and this isn't my line. This was a, a guy that used to work at the radio station uh, with me years and years ago. But I remember him saying, you know, coming out of a out of a dire straits track, he said, "I wanted to play guitar. I practiced and I practiced." Then I heard Dire Straits, and I said, <laughs> well, fuck it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> he Never didn't say that on that good. the air. He yeah. didn't say that on the air. But he was just like, you know what? Just forget it. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. just going to go a different route with my life, because Mark Knopfler is just on a whole other, whole he's so, other he's level. He's so
2: good. He's so good. Anyway, so right. there you go. What That's do you got, cool, Arch? Man. Arch, what's you on your table, up man.
1: All right, so here we go. Now- Let me just say this, and I've said this before. Sometimes I make these statements, and they kind of come back to haunt me when I'm out walking around, right? (laughs) This is going to be one of those moments, fellas. Because as much as I love Motley Crue, there was a band from that era that if they weren't as dysfunctional as they were, I honest to God believe they would have been bigger than Motley Crue. And at the time, you probably could have made the argument, and I'm talking about Rat. And and hear, hear me out. If if Rat is more dysfunctional than Motley Crue, what the hell is that saying,
0: guys? Well, that's <laughs> what, that's, that's hey, look, I, I've read the dirt. That's hard. To, that's hard to even imagine. I, I
1: know, I know. Dude, the guys snorted ants. I, I get what Motley Crue did, but but there was this whole thing with Rat, and they just weren't being, they weren't able to get it done. But I'm jamming on the first two Rat albums. So we've got uh, Out of the Cellar and Invasion of Your Privacy. I heard the morning after, and I want to say I heard it on my uh, L.A. Guns Pandora station, right? But anyway, I heard the morning after, and I just forgot how amazing Rat was. Now, the reason I'm talking about these first two Rat albums and the reason they're on my table, not because of Round and Round off the first record, not because of You're in Love or Lay It Down. I'm talking about the Forgotten Songs. I'm talking about The Morning After. Now, these were songs that weren't even released, gentlemen, but they hold such a close uh, place in a lot of people's uh, hearts and stuff, folks who love that scene. The Morning After, In Your Direction, Scene of the Crime, Closer to My Heart, What You Give Is What You Get. My God, jam on that song, young people. That is an amazing song. You Should Know By Now. These These first two records... You know, and Doug Blessing and I talk about this a lot. Really, the first three or four records of Rat were really, really solid records. Solid records. But those first two in particular really should be regarded a little higher than
0: they are. Those two albums are what's on my table. What do you attribute the reason that they're not regarded?
1: Uh. I mean, it was just a story. Look, dude, there's like, there's how many different versions was, of Rat are there now? Yeah. I mean, look at Steven Piercy's uh, latest problems. Now, I, I realize so, so he just did have surgery on that leg or knee or whatever he's been complaining about. He says he's he's better and we're going to get that. But, I mean, dude, it's just, it was there a fucking
0: train wreck, man. So you feel like you feel like the, the latter part of the band has kind of tarnished the legacy of those first two records? I, I'm just saying they,
1: hit for hit... They were hanging right with the crew. They were hanging right with the crew, and then there was just so much stuff going on behind the scenes. And and Robin Crosby, you know, when when he passed away, that pretty much the glue came off, and it it was wasn't able to be held together anymore. But musically, look, and and you're gonna Eddie Van Halen, George Lynch. I, I talk about these names all the time. Jakey Lee. But I'm telling you, man, Warren Demartini is as good as anybody from that era. As good as anybody from that era. And, and and Stephen Piercy, as much as people bag on him, vocally, it was such a different sound. It was such a cool fucking sound, guys. But their songs were so tight and solid. Love that band. And I honestly think that if if things would have been handled differently inside the rat camp <laughs> they probably would have been bigger and guys they were big don't don't get me wrong but what motley crew was able to do and motley crew was able to just survive keep keep they were going. able to survive and they were e- able to really kind of keep that stuff out of the press even in that day and age but you knew or rat was was, rat, of, was a, it, rat was dysfunctional yeah motley crew obviously like you
2: said the dirt that movie will be coming out soon. It almost made them their legacy even bigger and cooler. Yeah, Molly yeah, Crew yeah, was yeah, able yeah, to yeah.
0: do
1: it. I mean, Nikki Six died like twice, you know? <laughs> no, let me when ask the you. guys from Rat died, yeah, they just yeah. died. They, I mean, they there don't was come no back. coming back.
2: And it just, It's it, like Game of Thrones.
1: Yeah, it just bums me out to listen to these early Rat records and not consider them one of the best bands uh, from that era, and I do, man. So there you go. That's what's on my table, the first two Rat albums. Sweet. All right, it is time for the main event—the album that we're going to be talking about. 1991's self-titled Metallica album, or you know, the Black Album, as it's known, released on August 12th, 1991. There were now they're saying there were. This is kind of interesting. There were five singles that were released off of this. So let me kind of throw these at you guys: "Inner Sandman," "The Unforgiven," "Nothing Else Matters," "Wherever I May Roam," and "Sad but True." Now, a sixth song, Don't Tread On Me, was also issued to Rock Radio shortly after the album's release, but it didn't receive a uh, commercial single I remember hearing it, though. I I remember hearing that. So here, we're going to talk about that. And and so there's a lot of stuff that needs to be said. I'm going to let you actually explain why we're doing this. Because all these shows that I've done, I have yet to do a Metallica or Megadeth album. Now, Doris, the Black album... We're doing this and once again this is a 70s and 80s hard rock discussion but this is a 90s record for all intents and purposes Why are we doing this and I thought this was a great idea uh, for us to kind of to hop in on Metallica here on vinyl analysis
0: okay so here's the thing and, and you know I'm not and I never try to rub it in your face but facts are facts mm-hmm. okay? I'm ten years younger than you. I know, bro. Okay, Trust so me, uh, I feel so, it. So, so in when, my back the <laughs> shoulders, so and- you know, w- when you talk to me about wanting to do vinyl analysis, there's so many records that I do love that I just don't have the experience of being there when they were released. Um, this is a record for me that I was around the age where I was starting to get into music when this record came out, and one of the reasons I thought it would be awesome for us to talk about is because there's two different perspectives here. There's you. Who was the diehard Metallica thrash Metallica fan who kind of followed them on their journey and were really at your peak with Injustice for All? Yes, from the shows you would go to, you yeah. know, you had gone to see them and everything. But then there's me, and, and I do have to preface this by saying I'm not going to sit here and lie because there's friends of mine that are going to listen to this podcast you and out. know the, truth, <laughs> yeah. the Damn truth. right they know. The, the truth. truth is for me is the Black album came out and I was into it, and then really like I was into some songs off Load and songs off Reload. Okay. But here's the difference. The difference is when I heard load and reload, and then I kind of started to get into Metallica, a lot of people that I knew, people that were older than me, were like, oh, okay, if you like that, like go listen to the old stuff. So it was really kind of weird because it was like you go reload, you go load, you go black album. But for me, it's like every record got better as I went backwards <laughs> because you I'm like right I'm it, like, dude. okay, I'm like reload, load, black album, like, whoa, injustice for all. Whoa! Ride the lightning! Yeah! Whoa! Master of puppets! <laughs> I know, oh, man! Oh, I Kill know. them all! I you know what I
1: know, mean, man? I know! I know!
0: Yeah! And that's why I thought it would be a really cool uh, thing for us to talk about because your experience with this band and your experience with this album in particular is completely different from mine. Now, this is the quick disclaimer I wanted to put in too because I know it's a touchy subject with people that are into Metallica or not into Metallica. Whatever you want to say is, you know, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff here this evening. We're not saying that songs off Load and Reload were bad songs or not hit songs, right? Or same thing with some of these songs off the Black Album. I might say that from well, time to you time. Might, look, you might say that. <laughs> I might that. say that. From you time might to say time. that. But I'm saying the general consensus is no, like, I you, feel you. We Absolutely. Can't, we can't argue with the fact that these were like even songs off Load and Reload were singles that got played on the radio. Gigantic. You know what I mean? Gigantic. Big hits. And and we're not we're not here to debate that tonight. We're just here to talk about once again two generations yeah, of metallica cool. fans and, cool. and how it rolls together and and the really discussion started because i'm really interested just like we were when we talked about pearl jam 10 and how we talked about like i wasn't there for the for the death of hair metal and right. i wanted your perspective on it it's the same thing the whole metallica i wasn't there for the for the heyday of you know ride the lightning and master of puppets and injustice for all i only got the black album in the after so I want to know, I want to pick your brain, and I want to talk to you about, I want your perspective of what it was like to be this Metallica fan, this thrash metal fan, who you know was super into Injustice for All, and then it was midnight, and you're getting the Black album, and then what you got, <laughs> and what were your reaction was
1: to it. There's a ballad? Uh, yeah, right. And so so here's the deal, And and to say that I was with them since, you know, Puppets, or Or ride the lightning, or you know that that wasn't the case. Okay, for me, uh, it all started. Now I had heard about Master of Puppets. That's when you. That's when the antennae went up, and people were kind of. I saw the Bad Kids, kind of wearing the shirts. That's where I've learned a lot of my music. uh, The bands that I I followed, Uh, Motley Crue, the Bad Kids. This they were smoking in their jean jackets. That's the first time I heard Motley Crue. I saw the bad kids wearing some of the Metallica stuff. I saw some uh, uh, Master of Puppets shirts, and so uh, this would have been my sophomore year. And I'm in health class with a cat named Colin Williams, and Colin, Colin didn't have the supervision. Colin was really cool to me. He had me. like two
2: hours after school. He'd yeah. go run around and get in trouble. I mean, the trouble. he ran around with a rougher <laughs> yeah, crowd, yeah, yeah.
1: but but he was always he was just the sweetest I mean, honest to God, one of the sweeter guys that I that I kind of grew up with and went to high school with. But we good talked dude. to each He's other, a good dude. Yeah. and music was our connection. He went to go see Metallica open up for Ozzy, and this would have been on the ultimate Centaur. I was still not allowed to really kind of attend stuff like this without the folks. Okay, um. So Colin comes back from, and he got a Kirk Hammett pick at the time, and he saw Metallica with Cliff, Cliff Burton, and I was, I, was not, I was not able to do that. So he comes back after seeing that show, and he's like, Arch, this, he goes, everything you're hearing, it was amazing. He goes, dude, he goes, I know how much you love Ozzy, I know how much you love Jake. This, this band, this Metallica is amazing. They were amazing. So about halfway through this this uh, Master of Puppets ride, I'm like. So then I'm like, I want to go. I want. I'm in. I want to check this out. And at that point, it's not something you can like hop on the internet and download. This is 1986, kids. <laughs> this is you're not. just ain't happening. You know what I mean? I actually went to a store in uh, in Marietta. It was called Hearts, and I don't know if they had those up here in Central yeah, Ohio. Yeah, I kind of remember those. Yeah. But I went to I went to Hearts to buy Master of Puppets. They didn't have Master Puppets. They had Ride the Lightning on cassette. So my actual first, this was right when Master was taken off, and I didn't have it yet. I bought Ride the Lightning first. And I brought that home, and I was like, boom, my mind was just, it's like this, you know, you hear fight fire with fire, and you're, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> this, this isn't Wasp. This isn't Docking. This is a little different. Got really into it. Ended up buying Master of Puppets. And, uh, and then the death of Cliff Burton happened right around this time as well. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm getting into this band. And one of the key components just passed away. What's going to happen? Then Garage Days came out. I bought Garage Days right when it came out. In fact, came up to Columbus and bought Garage Days. Like the first week it was out. Bought, you know, Justice immediately right when it happened. Bought the Black Album at midnight. I'm are, sorry, Doris, if you've got a question, go ahead. So this is
0: the beginning. No, no, no. You're, you're setting the stage. But but like I said, what I want to drill into and, and the questions I really wanted to ask you, okay, being, being the the Metallica fan you were, mm. being the Injustice for All fan you uh, were, walk us through it. Walk us through that midnight release. Okay. Where were you? Where did you get the record? Where did you go afterwards? A- and kind of take us through that. Okay, you were listening to the Black Album. So we bought the Black Album.
1: It was, uh, now, this would have been... Um, when it was released it was august 12th 1991 which was a monday but i do remember sunday at midnight stores opening up to 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 have that record but i did buy it uh at a uh at
2: a uh, at a, a record store in marietta okay so it, at this point metallica is so fucking humongous where well, even the record even now, stores are like man, we got it gotta open but up it was big enough
0: it was big enough to open up the store. There was hype around the band. There was and and It's really, not like with, they were the stones, yes, but there was hype around. When, it. When, and
1: Justice for All came out, it still wasn't as big and as right. awesome as Master of Puppets is and as big as you think it is, you thirty somethings, it still wasn't it wasn't the, the common rock fans weren't really that hip to Metallica. Right?
2: There's probably zero airplay. Right. They uh, saw on the radio. all of us
1: wearing super tight black jeans with black t shirts and our vans. And they knew something was up, but they didn't really know exactly what we were what we were doing. Uh you know, That's when, what, what when we one were. came out, when the video for one, now that was their first video, that was a big deal. That exposed them to a bunch of other fans, okay? But you knew something had to give. There was a new producer with this black album. It was Bob Rock. There was all this stuff. And you gotta remember, earlier in the summer, before this was released, we heard Inner Sandman. Yeah, so you, that you, knew that. you knew and that. And that was different. So we knew Inner sandman was coming. We're like, okay, great riff. Don't get me wrong. You were, but
0: you were cool with Inner sandman I was cool with Inter-Sandman. Didn't turn you
1: off. Dude, there was nothing Metallica could have done that would have pissed me off
0: at this point. Yeah. <laughs> after inter <laughs> yeah. Because <after> I, I haven't heard
1: nothing else matters yet, Dorsey. So everything's cool at this point, right? So I remember getting the cassette tape, and I remember our buddies, we all kind of were gathered around... And over the next few days, we were processing this. We were all hanging out. It was the summer. I had already graduated high school. I was still trying to figure out what the hell I was going to do. So were my parents. <laughs> so that we still a, are doing that. It was guys? a big struggle. Yeah. So, But I remember all of us listening to this record. And there were times when, as we went track by track, we were trying to convince <laughs> ourselves. I wrote down...
0: Let's do it. Let's do track by track here. Because I want to know... I'll pitch in on right, my thoughts right. on the tracks... But give me the initial reaction, right. and tell me what you... So, the first time you ever heard these songs... Okay,
1: Inner Sandman, awesome riff. Uh, the best thing that Kirk Hammett gave to the band. I know Lars tweaked it. Uh, you can mock Lars if you want, but he's the one that heard that riff, had uh, Kirk kind of tweak it a little bit, and play a, a part like twice, or reverse a part. Uh, L- Lars is a sharp little fucker, and, and he was always kind of my favorite... Back in the day, just because he was the spokesman. He was the guy that always talked. So I was always a big Lars fan. I was not one of these people, you know, and everybody now critiques his drum style. Mm-hmm. But I'm not. I don't, I don't do that with Lars. I don't bag on Lars too much. I'm a little pissed when I look back and see how he talked about Mustaine, you know, looking back on it as an adult. It's like, eh. But no, I, I was down with it. So Inner Sandman comes out, we're all good in the hood, okay? You go to the next track, Sad But True.
0: Well, And real quick, before we get into these tracks, I wanted to throw this point out here. So you and I have talked, and we actually did a little experiment, too. Mm-hmm. So I, I did a ton. I've done this a ton, is really cool. I've done a did. ton of research on Very this record before tonight. Okay, And one of the things we did is um, one of the things Metallica had said at the time before they got the new producer, Bob Rock, they said, you know, we really feel like we need to go in some type of different direction, something different from Injustice for All, okay? Well, when you really listen to the Black Album, there's about a handful of songs, and mostly they were the radio hits, the, the, si- hits. the six songs that you you read off here yeah, at the singles, yeah. earlier in the show. If you take those six songs out and you listen to the other six songs, those other six songs could very easily have been on Injustice for All, and to prove my point, what I did is I burned a CD, I burned Injustice for All, and I inserted these other six songs from the Black Album, yes. and Archie and I listened to it, and it flowed it perfectly. It perfect. works. It works. And you don't sit and bitch about, well, I don't hear any bass. You, you don't. You don't. That doesn't even... <laughs> it
1: works. But I think that was where James was riff-wise, too. I mean, I think, honestly, as much as we slobber all over Ride the Lightning and, and Master of Puppets and... Oh my God! Where those albums sit in metal history—I mean, they're on Mount Rushmore. But I personally think—and I've said this before—that I think James riff-wise and where he was creatively as a, as an artist, this was his best time. Yeah, this was his best time. I, I think so. That's just my own humble
0: opinion.
2: Fair enough. So we're going track by track here. here. We go. You, you, well, start with,
0: you start. You start with the Inner And I mean, in
2: then, real quick, while while we're on that door, so if you're cool with that, you know, uh, we have a Spotify playlist. So I'm going to get that track list from you. I've okay. got that CD in my And, and, and car, I'll put too. that track list on it. That you know, you can cool. uh, follow us uh, on Spotify, search for Archie Vinyl Analysis.
0: Yeah, and we'll put it in the same order that yeah. Arch and I listen to it, and you'll see it flows. Those six songs could have very well been like an extension of Injustice for All. They really could have. So what I did is here is I had the track list of, of this album, and I marked um, the songs here that I put the new sound that they were looking for. <laughs> I marked some as Injustice for All because those are the ones I felt right. could have just really been on that record. And then I just put a wall, which is like a complete departure. And I'm sure you'll get to what that means here in a minute when we, we get into this. But so Inner Sandman and then the next track, Sad But True, they're two of the four that I feel are that new sound that they were looking for that was still heavy enough and still rocked enough to not feel like a complete departure from thrash metallica do you agree with that i totally agree with that and and so this is funny so i'm gonna jump right to the third
1: song holier than now i was able to contact one of my buddies that i grew up with and i was i was texting back and forth with chris and we, i was telling him kind of what i'm doing and i was it's like hey man do you remember we were all hanging out and our thoughts on the record when we first heard it because i remember the eye contact that a lot of us were making through some of these songs and i'll get to it it was like Egh. we were trying to convince ourselves. On a a few of these. That it was okay. (laughs) We were trying to convince ourselves that it it was cool. Uh, So we'll jump to holier than thou. And that's what Chris said. He said that was the first one where he was like, okay, there we go. You know, and that's the notes. I wrote these because I knew Dorsey was going to, this is kind of the angle he wanted to go. He wanted to hear first impression, Archie, for this. Holier than thou was the one where it was like, had that old school vibe. It was very justice for, it was injustice. It it, it was, it could have fit on that record. And this, is, this shows, again, that James is a riff god. James Hetfield, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it a hundred more times on this program. James Hetfield and Dave Mustaine, I can't even imagine what it would have been like if they would have been able to stay together. Probably, it, Obviously, it didn't work, and it worked out great for metalheads all over the place. But th- their riffs are, especially this era, from about 88 to like 91, they were just in a fucking zone, man. James wrote
2: some of the best riffs ever. See, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that because I cannot stand his fucking voice. Well, so no, I just I just write him well, off as a guitar player because James, James or Dave, that. James. Uh, James James. Right. So I, so that's very short sighted of me. I know, but I just I just write but, him off and I'm, I put all my well, all the eggs in, in Kirk's basket. And, and
1: here's the thing. And I was talking about this with a uh, a friend uh, that I have here in this day and age, and we were talking about it, and he said this to me. This has been a few months back, and it's so true. James's voice, it's just not thrashy
2: enough anymore it's not it's it's a I, weird spot because it's, it's not melodic and it's not thrashy well, and, and that's the him, thing him, though man that's what makes him him but his voice isn't thrashy enough
1: anymore right for me sure that's why i checked out for the load albums yeah and i don't think once this happened and we'll get into this but once this record happened guys there was no going back right vocally you know what i mean almost became a caricature of him of himself well, i mean it, it became yeah. a caricature but i
2: guess i'm glad to hear you say that about his guitar skills because that makes me put more stock in him so i'm that's that's cool it's good to hear you say that so
1: we jump to the unforgiven you want me to jump to the unforgiven because yeah, that's a big yeah, moment we, we
0: need to talk about the unforgiven that's a big moment because go back real quick this is actually dave mustaine's right? favorite song off that record his only, no, song, he only he song he liked, off he liked of it. which i thought was
1: weird because but the guitar work on it—it's one of Kirk's best solos. Yeah. And, and if you watch the—you know—you've seen the documentary and all that stuff—a year and a half in the life of sure. Metallica—you saw the painstaking what Kirk went through to to nail that solo. And it's a fucking awesome solo. But look,
0: this and this—but look, this is one of the two songs that I marked on the track list as a wall. You know what the other one is? And I I'll what tell you why. It's not that it's not a great song. I actually like the song a ton. It's just that in comparison, it is so different from thrash metallica look when i heard the unforgiven
1: i knew things had changed at that point i knew that look and i was down with it i thought it was a cool song and quite honestly if there was no nothing else matters this would have probably flew a lot better with the diehards
0: you know what i mean like that would have been the softest song
1: dude one i'm telling you the first time we heard one it was like, wow. You know, and that was and James was singing in one at the beginning of that. And it's like, whoa, okay. You know, because that was a little bit of a, a departure as well. For sure, If you want to go back and and wear this up. But that's the thing about James, man. He never, he doesn't worry about, uh, he doesn't worry about jackasses like me getting pissed because he wrote a love song. You know what I mean? If he wants to do it, he'll do it. Yep. So, but this was the song. And nothing else matters. This was a challenge. This was this was a challenge. It, it really was, and it was one of the ones that was like that was probably the beginning of the end. I don't want to say it that way because the Unforgiven is a cool song, man. It's and like I said, great guitar. Well, work. and I gotta great say, it, I told
2: work. you this before. I, I'm I'm a child of the '90s, and I heard this stuff on Mandatory Metallica on the, on the X in Indianapolis. And this, a lot of these songs, Inner Sandman, this, nothing right. else matters. What what got the airplay? Uh and the, yeah, the unforgiven is is one of my favorite because of what I said, uh James is actually kind of singing a melody in it. Yeah, a man, and B, it. the fucking guitar solo is so rad. It's really good. Um, it is really good. You know, as we talked about earlier, right?
0: If you split split the track list in half, six songs, six radio hits, six injustice for all right, songs, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. The six radio hits, they were definitely crafted to be more accessible. Sure. Right. So the person so you're the rock fan or just the average person you know who probably couldn't handle master of puppets they could handle the unforgiven sure. they could handle nothing else matters but there was a negative side to but that I, as well. and that's why i want you and, that's and this definitely is where, where it I starts come in. Yeah, and this is where yeah. it
1: starts and i want i want to make sure that i'm conveying cuz i know you really want to find out i want i know you're <laughs> such a music fan and i want in i want to make sure that i'm doing this justice <laughs> pun intended mm-hmm. but this this is where our radar went off a little. Do you, do you, is that? Am I explaining yeah, it so enough? You, so, so you, you it made it all the way through. Was, I, I was cool with so everything. Unforgiven's when the radar went off. Unforgiven was like, okay, this is way different. This is way different, and and I knew you guys had to process that still a little. But right? you got to remember, also at this point, for a lot of us, Metallica was such a. It was such a. It was such an underground thing, man. Yeah, yeah. they were they were popular. They were popular enough to where they could survive and play arenas. Without people knowing who they were, guys, that's how cool this was. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. how cool this was, and I think a lot of it. And and you know, when I bring up some of my friends, the guys I grew up with, some of the guys wrote this all the way through. They wrote it through the load albums. They wrote, you know, and they and when there's a show, until even Saint closed, Anger, right? Saint Anger pushed <laughs> even pushed them uh, to their limits. But but yeah, some of these guys wrote it all the way through, and and God bless them. But I just I knew when I heard the Unforgiven that things had changed. Wherever I May Roam, another badass riff. That sitar, like intro, that, fellas, that was another experimental barrier broke down by James. Right. The next, it really was. That was nothing like we had ever heard before. I, I love that guitar riff. Right. We talked
2: about that. The yeah. next
0: two I have marked. Those are the new sound ones. The Wherever I May Roam and the Don't Tread On Me. Those are the new sound. Those are the heavy rocking songs that I feel like was kind of probably what they were really looking for when they said, okay, we want to move forward a little bit. Is
2: is that the West Side Story riff? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes,
1: yes. Yes. Right? Which is a shit ton different than Disposable Heroes. We can all agree with that. Right? (laughs) Uh, Don't tread on me, though. And let me just say, and I'm going to be talking out of both sides of my mouth here, because I love this song. And as I get older, this has become... My favorite song on the album. I mean, it's a fucking anthem, man. It's a You got as the well. great chorus, uh, and on a gigantic album that this was, that the Black Album was, I'm gonna say that this song should have been bigger than it was. I agree. All right, and I'm and I'm even gonna say that. Don't tread on me. Are you or here? We go, and I'll probably catch some shit for this. Don't at me, as the kids say. This is Sandman good. I think, in my opinion. Oh, I agree. And I get it. Sandman. I mean, that's what Brock Lesnar walks out to. Every, you've heard it. Virginia it every, Tech loves it. Every NFL game, every Virginia Tech game. Yeah, I get it. I get what Sandman is and what it, m- it means to everybody and how it exposed Metallica to so many different people. But don't tread on me. It's one of my favorites, man. That's the truth. And even, as I said, as I got older, I'm like, God damn, it's a good song.
0: Well, it took a while for me, too, because, you know, when I got caught up in, all, in it all, you know what I'm saying? When, they, when the album came out, Love, I, I'm not saying I don't love I still love Inner Man. I love Sad but True I am still a fan of The Unforgiven and, and I am a fan of Nothing Else Matters But as the years went by And as I discovered the older Metallica Like to kind of bring the whole body of work you together You can see where yeah, we're coming from When you bring the whole body of work together When you look at that record And, and that song Don't Tread On Me Like that's the one for me Through the Never
1: It's a fucking jam Love The drums on this song and screw the haters. Lars takes, like I said, man, Lars takes an absolute beating, an absolute beating, but uh, this is uh, through the nevers, an absolute jam. And I think uh, Lars's drums very, uh, I I, I think they stand out on this track and I think they sound amazing.
0: Okay, let's do it. Go for it. Here it is. All right. Number eight on the track list. Okay. Give me the painstaking details <laughs> of how this went down. I want to hear it. This is the one I wanted to hear. I want to know how mm. everybody reacted when you heard this for the first time. This was the one, even more so than the
1: unforgiven, that we all had to convince ourselves. We all had to convince ourselves that we were still diehard Metallica fans. This is tough. And and I... At the time, no. I, I wasn't. I wasn't a fan. And I'm still... Not a fan. Let me let me just say this, and nothing else matters. This isn't a good or a bad thing. It's just stating a fact, boys. My wife likes this song, <laughs> Dorsey. My wife likes this song.
2: Oh, it's common ground. <laughs> See, and, and, that, and it's not. I don't want to no.
0: <laughs> See, this is no. what this is what leads to the the eternal debate discussion that people have about Metallica, Is it a right? good song? It's oh a great my song. God, it's a great it's song. song. It's an amazing song, right? Yes. And, and how many times have you heard people, people that are pure, like, like you said, you call Metallica purist, right? Yeah. How many times, even with songs that are on load and reload in, in this song in particular, they say, if anyone else besides Metallica would have written this, I would have loved it, right? but but to them it was too much of a it shock. It was a Cinderella track, too much it of would have def- been a hit. Too much of a departure
2: man. from what they had tough. come
1: to know. Great song. It's a great song, and I, I'm not going to sit here and act like I haven't listened to it and like dug it and, and stuff. My wife likes this it's song. It's
2: that double-edged sword that you're kind of hitting at now because it, it exposed themselves to more people, made them bigger, but, may, but right. at the same time, it's That's alienating in and, the crew. And, yeah. Some of these songs, like I said, I'm going to be talking out of both sides of yeah, my mouth here. Yeah, sure.
1: I didn't like this song at the time. And Dorsey, like you've and Dorsey, you seen me Dorsey when it comes on. Or exposed yeah, to I, Dorsey, them. Dorsey, I don't want to hear it. Yeah, I don't want to hear it, man. I just don't. I, 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 it's it was. Was it that, the strings? That's, oh my god, was it, it was a string str-
2: section. No, man, it was it
1: was James pouring his heart out, bro. <laughs> it was James pouring. It's a love song, man. It is what it is, and I, I I just I don't like it, but I like it. I get it. I get it. I understand why everyone loves it. I understand why it was a huge hit. But damn it, man, that was, it was, it really was tough to come back after that. And look, like I said, I, I saw more on this tour than I did the injustice tour, you know, but, but I just, this was tough, man. This was, this was a tough one when, when they played it live, you know, and shit, it's just, oh my God, it's tough, man. And I haven't seen them since 1994. I've seen them nine times, bro. And I haven't seen them since 1994.
0: Here's a question for you, right? Don't plan on tell, it either. Tell me, tell me, did you see the crowds change from the Injustice oh, tour yeah. oh my to God. the Black Album yeah, tour? Yeah,
1: man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. More girls. Uh, more college dudes. I mean, shit like that. I mean, it is what it is. And that's what I'm saying. So you probably felt like
0: dead fans when people would show up after Touch oh, of Grey. Oh, yeah, Gray. And,
1: and screaming for Touch of Grey. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> ab- absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's what I'm saying. It was They were such a cult band, and it was so cool because... This band was amazing. I mean, they really were, here we go again with the big statements, they were my generation Zeppelin. I mean, they were huge, guys. They were huge, but it was there was an underground vibe to it that once this came out, they were just, they weren't our band anymore. They were everybody's band, and good on them. And like Jason Newstead said, yeah, we sold out. We sell out every single night, and uh, you know, it's it's a, it's a double-edged sword. But anyway, all right, so enough of that. Yeah, Nothing Else Matters sucks. Okay. But it's a great song. Does that make any sense at
0: all? So as we move into the, the back end here, the yeah. next four songs. Grant, I love all these right? songs. I love all these songs. I marked all four of these as Injustice songs. The, and and I that's I probably why you love them, because I love they have I love more em. of the older feel to them.
1: Of Wolf and Man, another badass riff, and a uh, forgotten song, really. And really, I remember... Here's the thing. When Metallica did stuff, and you got to remember... I, I was in at an impressionable age I was in my late teens you know I was I was kind of I was 16 when I when I kind of got 15 16 when I got into Metallica whatever they did and I hope my mom's not listening but when I saw James Hetfield with a Coors light, I was my course light underage. <laughs> oh I did it And when I saw I used to have this uh, I got it at a uh, at a uh, at a guitar shop and they actually had a Lars Ulrich. Uh, and this was even before this is right around uh, this is right around garage days. Uh, they had this uh, Lars Ulrich, it was a promotional poster. Yeah. And the guy there gave it to me and Lars was drinking a moose head. <laughs> All right. Guess what 16, 17 year old kid was trying to buy, buy moose head. I was drinking moose is head. Is that even whatever still they a did, thing? whatever they did. And and that's the thing. They were I was it was such an impressionable age for me. When I heard of Wolf and Man and they talk about shape shifting. I didn't know what the hell shape shifting was, but I went and read about it after that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Johnny got his gun with one. That got me to read Metallica got me to read, <laughs> dude. I got I read shit. You know what <laughs> I mean? So God That Failed, love that track. The baseline on that. Yeah. The baseline on that. Good for you, Jason News. You can hear the bass on that one, right? Okay. Ah, you can. You can. And and also behind Don't Tread on Me, and this is one that I've always, always dug. My Friend of Misery, and I've I've told you about this. I absolutely, this and Don't Tread on Me are my two favorites uh, on this record, and I played the shit out of this on my college radio show. I absolutely, uh, My Friend of Misery, I put that on my my chick tape, if you guys, when I had like a, and also I had like a 10-disc changer so i had like uh these songs on there and i put like the slower songs Ooh, when nice. i when yeah. the girls when i had okay. a girl over yeah, yeah, and yeah, uh yeah my friend of misery that it, it didn't shock him She's too like, much. oh is that nothing else yeah. matters yeah, yeah no i, played, <laughs> I, I love played, this song yeah <laughs> i played that one too with the chicks for sure why not uh my friend of misery now uh struggle within i thought that was a great closer but really might be one of the weaker songs on the album if that's if if I were to say there was a, w- a weak song on there, and you could tell that they saved that one for the end.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, so, so Go ahead, throw them at me, cu- Doris. A no, couple last questions here yes. as we kind of get work towards closing this thing out. Was there enough on this record still for you to overlook those songs and feel good about it?
1: Yeah! Oh, yeah! Yeah, and I and I and I love the Black Album. That's why I, I was cool with having you come in and let's let's do this as my first Metallica record on Vinyl Analysis. I loved it, but I'll be honest with you, bro. At this point, and yeah, I was seeing him a shit ton on this tour. I uh, I had discovered uh, Vinny and Dime at this point, and I had and so I was I was following we you know my buddies and I we were we were chasing Pantera around at this point because honestly, man, I wasn't going to get nothing else matters. With Dimebag. That sure. wasn't on Vulgar. That wasn't on Cowboys from Hell. So I had kind of moved on a little bit there and was discovering other uh hard rock and metal bands that really kind of filled that void that man, it did. It was different. And I, I and I never uh I own every Metallica album they've ever bought. And I and I've I've bought them just because I, I love James and Lars. I still do, man. And nothing against Kurt. I, I love Kirk. But Lars and James were were my dudes, man. And I still and I still I don't go see them. I don't because I don't like Robert. I'm not a fan of that. that it's it's tough. It's tough to take. It's tough to watch, man. tough to take. Tough to watch. He's just that's just you know. And Jason was it's enthusiastic. Robert. It's like watching, Robert, it's like watching the man.
0: It's like watching William Deval with Chase. I, I just, just can't. I can't. Yeah. And I
1: and dude, I saw suicidal back in the day. So I've yeah. seen Robert a bunch in his old band. Uh, I just I don't want to see that live. And and it's just it's not the same when I hear live shit from them and they're playing those old songs. It's just different. I mean, they're rich, man. Sure. They're rich. It just sounds different. It's, it's just not the same. It's not the same. And I maybe I will go see them again uh, eventually here. If they say that's it for them, I'll want to go see James and, and, and Lars again. Uh, I'll go. But I just I haven't. I haven't. I, I moved on. And um, and I'll tell you this. You can have the Load and Reload albums. When they did Bob Seger songs, bro, and, yeah. and I, as much as I love Thin Lizzy, Here's the deal, man. Yeah. I learned about Diamond Head. I learned about the misfits. I learned about Budgie yeah. from from James and Lars and yeah. Cliff and, and Kirk. I Last learned caress. about them. They didn't say shit about Bob Seeger. They didn't say shit about Finn Lizzie until that stuff in the mid to late nineties.
0: Recording when, with uh, John yeah, Popper. They, uh,
1: dude, and they did that they did the, you know. <laughs> and the and Lulu my boy shit. Lou
0: Reed. Come yeah, on, man. And I know, you know that, we're not even that record's fucking about terrible this. though. But yes,
1: it is fucking <laughs> terrible. And they and they and they played on stage with Lady Gaga. And oh. look, my wife loves Lady Gaga. I get it. She's an amazing talent. A star is born is fucking amazing from what I'm told.
0: But no <laughs> no the, man it was it no. was the polar opposite of what metallica would have done dude. pre 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 this yeah, record
1: yeah and i just don't want to be that guy it just sounds like sour grapes I guy
0: i sound like i
1: sound like you know comic book store guy you know everything i'm just a snob with everything and that's not the case guys but this shit would have never happened dude i read an article a couple weeks ago with lars he was talking about one of his favorite bands the last few years Is the Arctic fucking monkeys. Fellas, (laughs) I I just, I can't anymore. Right, like, you could probably
0: live with it if he was talking about one of the new metal bands.
1: Yeah, man. Well, they love Ghost. I like Ghost. That's cool. They're talking about Ghost. Don't sell me on that Arctic monkeys shit.
0: Greta Van Fleet. Two more things. You shush. Two more things, man. Two more (laughs) things. Ready? You're right. Two more things.
1: I stand corrected.
0: Can you compare this to when Sammy became the singer for Van Halen? Yeah. I bought every
1: Van Hagar album there was, and my friends still call me up. you loved 5150. You bought live without a net. You dug it, and I did. But, but it, it ain't,
0: wasn't Van Halen. It ain't
1: Van Halen, man. It ain't Van right. Halen. And, and we which and Mike, you can answer uh, Dorsey. You can answer this question for me. Um, who was the singer on Fair Warning?
0: Fair Warning, mm-hmm. David Lee Roth. All right, case closed.
1: So anyway, that's all I fucking need right there. You know, so, there you go. Case okay. closed. I'm sorry. Whoever was on whoever was on that Fair Warning album.
0: That was my favorite band. And look, (laughs) and I feel you, right? Because as another example, I'm going to give you this little story and then we're going to get into our clothes here. So, you know, my wife and I, we went to go see, it was uh, Bush, the Cult, and Stone Temple Pilots here at the Rose Music Center last summer, right? As I keep telling you, I call them fake Stone Temple. I know pilots, you do. Okay? I know you do, and I'll tell you why. Because they got a guy in their band now who tries to be a clone of Scott Weinland. He gets up there, he dresses like him, uh. he dances like him. I can't take it. You know what I'm saying? I can't no. stand it. And
1: I wouldn't want you to watch right? that. So
0: I understand what it's like. I feel that. It's just like, wait a minute. That's not. That's not the band that I know, and it's mm-hmm. not the band I love. It's something completely different, right? So you don't want to see that. And, and look, I, and, and, I, and everybody says, it.
1: dude, Robert's a great guy. And all the interviews I've ever seen with Robert, he is a nice guy, man. He's a cool dude. Sure, But
2: no. It's like when we saw- And he's an amazing
1: uh, bass player. But no, uh, Rich I Rich Robinson, uh, no.
2: his new singer is just a Chris Robinson knockoff dude. The dreads and the stinky- Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, I saw yeah, them. yeah, I saw them. I saw them. Yeah, I saw, them I saw them at that show. We saw that <laughs> yeah. show. So here's
0: my closer, <laughs> and you and I have talked about this a little bit. I want the reaction you you'd already felt unforgiven you'd already felt nothing else matters Tell me how you felt when you saw the load album come out Yeah I was done Cuz you were curious though You Dude, had to they be had eyeliner on But you they were had curious an eyeliner. right They had makeup on Tell bro me, When did like how did that I was out I didn't, and quite honestly did, I you didn't I, even I, care when it came no, out No
1: I and I have those and I've bought them uh, like I said maybe not right when they came out I, bro I can tell you I can't name two or three songs on that so record. check this out right? it's, a, it's
0: a total mental block this for is me. something that's really interesting because it brings up another topic that could maybe flow into some future shows to think about so one thing that was really cool I never thought about before until this particular situation because of the day and age we live in we're so used to bands that are around now having like constant access to them. Being right. able to see their Twitter post, yeah. their Facebook page, their Instagram, so like we're kind of connected with them twenty four seven. If if you know if Dave Grohl went and shaved his face, we'd all know that he shaved his face, yeah. right? Did that he? Was, okay. It wasn't okay. no, he okay. didn't. Okay, okay. okay. but ahead, I'm go. saying I'm saying hmm. like that's how it is nowadays. But during this time period, the time in between the Black Album and Load, like it just wasn't like that. Right. So the last, like thing that people had in their minds were, was how Metallica looked on the Black album. Everyone still had long hair and, yeah. and beards and, and you know James yeah, right. still had the right, had facial hair and everything. Mustaches. Right? So that's what really made it even more of a shock when you know because you didn't know you weren't following them on Instagram and Twitter and seeing like oh James got his haircut. I still Laura's think James was kicking and screaming on that. But you know I know still I mean? feel that that wasn't his idea. But you know what I mean? So, a so there's this extreme change mm-hmm. to load. Extreme change, and like maybe it wasn't that bad for the fan that came in and liked the Black album because right. to them, they're just like, Oh, okay, they're kind of changing their looks. Yeah, they're a little more hard rock now than they are metal. Yeah, but for the guys that had seen them in the heyday, yeah, you're just like, What is this? Yeah,
1: and that was it, man. That's the honest to God's truth, and that's that's kind of that's a good place to close with it. I amen. it's it's just um. They, they have. They, they Look, man, they are bigger. They're the biggest. They're still the biggest rock band in the world, I think. I mean, as far as being able to, that's, you know, not the ACDC yeah, and yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. But I'm telling you, Metallica can sell with the Foo Fighters. They can sell the same venues that the Pearl Jams and the Foo Fighters oh, yeah. and all these other and the Cold Plays and throw who else you want in there and the Imagine Dragons. I'm trying I, to I, think I just, when I, I saw them. making so, shit <laughs> up. But,
0: yeah, <laughs> so look, you. here's the thing. I, I had never got to see them. Never got to see them. And I had the opportunity, I want to say it was like 2012, Uh and they were playing over at the shot. And it's just like, yeah, I had to go see them. I had to go see him. Right. And you know what? I loved every minute of it. Yeah, man. Because to me, I had James never seen great him before. Life. James is great live. Yeah, it, was, it was a great show. Oh, and, and, man. And I miss and, that a little bit. I miss that And that's the and man. that's the thing like I keep trying to get through because I don't want to turn anybody off with this particular episode. Right? No, I'll catch heat, bro. But yeah, but you, I'm going to catch But the heat. you know what I mean though? Like so many people this is polarizing for people. But like, there's so many people that are just like screw you, Metallica rocks. And it's like we're not saying that don't But you have to acknowledge the drag, difference and like for me i can't even understand it i can see it by looking at it on paper and, and like taking my own journey from you know load and reload all the way back to kill them all i can see it but i didn't live it you lived it but there's guys
1: in my crew who still go and like they'll they would contact me and say hey man we're gonna go and i just i didn't do it i didn't do it and they and, and you know what they're bigger fans than i am i can say that but at that time in my life I was the biggest Metallica fan. From about 88 to 94, I was when in. That was you, baby. I was in. Um, 87, maybe. But, uh, yeah, I will say this. And let me conclude with this, Dorsey, before I say thank yous and all that. If I were to get any wish, any wish at all, and I know this will never happen, and I know you know where I'm going with this, but if I could get two cats to get in the studio and record together, it would be James Hetfield and Dave Mustaine. That is... I would I would love that more than if and I uh, you know, Lars eh, I don't know if he wants to be involved and I know Kirk wouldn't want any part of it but I just would love to see because I still think look I'm telling you Megadeth has refound the magic and because Dave isn't a singer because Dave didn't put anything into his vocals like James did you know and James did man James you know look I get the Risk album and, and all this other stuff that that Megadeth tried but Dave has refound himself. And quite honestly, and like I said, with those last couple of Metallica records, I think James has kind of found it too. Vocally, it's not happening, but 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 riff wise and and stuff, I think they still got it. And I would love, and it'll never happen, because I think that's a bigger riff. Because hey, hey I think I think uh, I think Lars and Dave talk more than Dave and James <laughs> do. It's just the way it was. Um, but I, I would love
0: for those two you to know make what? a record.
1: I, I swear to God. Hey. Oh, my God. I would you know what, Arch? To,
0: I would love hey, to hear that. Never say never, though. Let, let's not forget, David Lee Roth rejoined Van Halen. This is true. You are this right. So never say never. That's right. And the Eagles
1: won a Super Bowl. and the Red, But you think about it. It's like shit that we thought we never And the never Browns won seven. seven games. And the Browns <laughs> won seven games. And the Red Sox, they're like good here the last 15 so never years. never say never. Never say never. Uh, Dorsey, thank you so much uh, for coming in here, man, and we're gonna have, we have to find another '90s record. We'll yeah, we something. will. We we'll have to figure
2: something, oh, Albo. Yeah. So, Greg, yeah, let me take care of some business here. Take care of the business. You know, uh, we talked about our Spotify playlist. We're gonna put together uh, a cool pairing of songs for this. Uh, we'll do the uh, thing that you did, Dorsey, where you we, you could, took the six songs from uh, the record and yeah, we'll yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so you can uh, for- search for us at Archie Vinyl Analysis. Also, you have a bunch of cool memorabilia and photos of of like drumsticks and shirts and all sorts of stuff. This is before I was in radio. This was just
1: a fan that followed the band everywhere, and I still have my Garage Days tape. I took a picture of it. It has Jason Newsteads. It has Jason Newsteads. He spilled a mixed drink on it backstage. I remember, and this is that's been thirty almost thirty years ago. And I remember him. He was very apologetic like so And I remember, th- I was like, no, nah, man, this is cool. <laughs> it's awesome. It still has the stain from the cranberry vodka or whatever. It's on my <laughs> garage days. And, uh, and, and when are you going to, where are you going to put that so, up? So I'll that? put
2: that on Instagram. Yeah, uh you check it see out, all guys. You'll dig Follow it. us at Vinyl Analysis. Plus, just rate and review us on iTunes. That always helps. And subscribe. Don't forget to come check us out at Craft & Vinyl coming up on the 22nd. And just thanks for listening. Share this with your friends. Grassroots Please. effort, man. Share,
1: share, share. For
2: producer Greg Hansberry, I am Arch Madness, and this has been Final
1: Analysis. Stay frosty. <laughs> My wife likes this song.